can you see it? 44, 1. Okay, you want me to read from uh, verse 1 to verse... Uh, uh, no, if you look on the screen, can you see on the screen? Yeah, I see it. It's, uh, okay, from... Uh, verse from... 21 and then read all the way to the bottom of the page. Read everything there. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Uh, the people I formed for myself so that they would proclaim my praise, but you haven't called on me, Yaakov, because you have grown weary of me, Israel. Now listen, Yaakov, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says Adonai, who made you, formed you in the womb, and will help you. Don't be afraid, Yaakov, my servant, Yeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will call water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants, my blessing on your offspring. They will spring up among the grass like willows on the river banks. One will say, I belong to Adonai. Another will be called by the name of Yaakov. Yet another will write that he belongs to Adonai and adopt the surname Israel. Thus says Adonai, Israel's king and redeemer. Adonai Tzavot, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him speak out. Let him show me clearly. Sorry, this page moved. Let him show me clearly what has been happening since I have set up the eternal people. Let him foretell future signs and events. Don't be frightened. Don't be afraid. Didn't I tell you this long ago? I foretold it, and you are my witnesses. Is there any God beside me? Besides me? There is no other rock. I know of no one. L like a thick cloud, I wipe away your offenses. Like a cloud, your sins. Come back to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, you heavens, for Adonai has done it. Shout, you depths of the earth. Mountains, break out into song, along with every tree in the forest. For Adonai has redeemed Jacob. He glorifies himself in Israel. <laughs> all idol makers, <clears throat> excuse me, all idol makers amount to nothing. Their precious productions profit no one, and their witnesses to, to their own shame neither see nor understand. Who would fashion a God who cast an image that profits no one anything? All involved will be ashamed, but more than anyone else, the people who made them. Let them all be assembled, let them all stand up, and let them fear and be shamed together. A blacksmith makes a tool over burning coals. With his strong arm, he shapes it with hammers. But when he gets hungry, he's, his strength fails. If he doesn't drink water, he grows tired. A carpenter takes his measurements, sketches the shape with a stylus, planes the wood, shakes it, checks it, <laughs> checks it with calipers, and carves it into the shape of a man. And since it is honored like a man, of course, it has to live in a house. He goes to shop to chop down cedars. He takes an evergreen and an oak. He specially tends one tree in the forest, plants a pine for the rain to, to nourish. In time, when it's ready for use as fuel, he takes some of it to keep himself warm and burns some more to bake bread. Then he makes a god and worships it. 
carves it into an idol and falls down before it. He is relying on ashes, a deceived heart, and led him astray so that now he won't save himself, but won't say, this thing in my hand is a fraud. Keep these matters in mind, Yaakov, for you, Israel, are my servants. I formed you. You are my own servant, Israel. Don't forget me. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. The latter part of Isaiah, especially from Isaiah 40 to the end, some of the most glorious literature in the history of experience. It's, it's something you could study every day for the rest of your life and benefit from. Okay. We're going to look at a few questions. First, uh, I'd like somebody to read question one. Someone who hasn't spoken yet. Just somebody say me and volunteer. Me. Okay. Okay, Nikki, read question one. Okay. Isaiah is writing to Israel in a time instructive for us. Things are not going well for Israel. And God wants them to learn some lessons from the experience, lessons about who he is and how to relate to him. In our current COVID-19 crisis, what lessons do you think God may want us to be learning? That's a good question. Uh, it's a serious question. I'm going to stay later in this issue of Shulkanshalanu, but Amos writes, can a shofar be blown in the city and the people not be alarmed? Can disaster strike a city and the Lord has not done it? His assumption is, is that when disaster comes, we need to ask, why is God allowing this to happen to us? So, what do you think, perhaps, we're supposed to learn from this uh who's uh, who, somebody wants to speak just unmute yourself and speak up give your name first nikki well i think that um one thing is there's been such a couple of things that come to my mind one is that how everybody's so busy and harried and nobody really is, takes time out anymore like our life has gotten so fast so now we're sort of like on forced time out, you know, <laughs> it's like, like a parent with a kid. It's like, okay, you're going to have time out now. So I feel like we're kind of forced into, like we're forced into the corner, you know, to take time out and, and listen and reflect on our lives and reflect on what's happening in our world. And that's one thing. And the other thing I think is this country has been so divided on so many levels politically and everything. And everybody is, forced to sort of look out for their neighbor to kind of work as a unit if we're going to survive this and live thank you thank you those are things that i would not have thought of but i think it's very helpful anyone else why has god assuming that god is not that the covid crisis has not taken place behind god's back either assuming that god brought it upon us or assuming that god allowed it what do you in either case what do you think God wants us to learn from this? Anyone? I think there are a couple of things, one of which I think has to do with not just, as Nikki was talking about uniting the country, but uniting the world. This is something that 
has hit everybody. Um, there are probably pockets here and there that, that the virus didn't get to, but basically a pandemic is when it gets to everybody. And in the same way that he brought plagues upon Israel at times because they had assimilated themselves into the, into the surrounding cultures and had started worshiping their idols, God would bring something nasty to them or would either somebody would come in and have a war against them or they would be let off um, to, to be slaves. And at that point, God would always raise up a prophet who would bring the people back to God. Yes. And that's fine. At one point when I was just talking about what to the Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, but I think now we're sort of looking at something that's the whole world. And I, okay, let me ask a question that comes out of what Rusty said. Um, in order for people to be brought back to God, what do they need to re what do they need to realize? So, Stuart, let me speak up here. Um, in order to be brought back to God, I think they need to realize that they, we can't rely on ourselves. Some of these things that that are happening now are, are idols in our lives. And the Haftorah portion really spoke against idols that are totally um, unable to do anything. So the stock market's gotten hit. People's finances have gotten hit. People's jobs are in jeopardy. These are all things that, are, that we can make into idols in our lives, the things that we live for and forget about God. And I think Rusty made a great point that this is something that we can look at that's affecting the entire world, showing us that we're all kind of in this together. We need to rely on God and not on these things in our lives that we've, we've made into idols for ourselves. That's good. We're gonna get into that a little later too, that, 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 that thought. All of your contributions are good and I'm interested in all of them. It's important that people participate. Uh, this kind of discussion uh, is a, it's a very important learning uh, modality because people remember what they share and all of you will go out of this in this event with what's called the group memory. You'll all remember something of the drift of things as though it was your own experience and not just something that some, somebody else said, but it becomes our group experience and we end up going forth from this group memory. So I'm grateful for your, your intelligent contributions. Let's go to another question on this sheet. So hold on a second and I'll take you back. Can next do it? This is, this is Shoshana. Can I, can I add a quick comment? Go ahead, add one. Go ahead, Shoshana. Sure. It just, um, it reminds me of the quote by C.S. Lewis about God shouting to us in our pain, that he uses pain to rouse a deaf, deaf world. And the quote is, pain assists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And and I think that, you know, wherever you believe that God brought this upon us, which I don't personally believe, but obviously he allows it, he is allowing it. Um, he, he is obviously using it to make people stop and think and ask questions that a lot of people don't because they're busy with idols and their, um, their materialism and their busyness and, and easy faith. And so this is something that I think that he can use and I see him using already to make people wake up and say, wow, what's going on? What is my life really worth? That's very good. Thank you so much, Roshana. Um, I, 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 I'm going to ask you. To, I'm going to ask you to read the next question, Shoshana. 
so let me put it up. Uh, we're going to be exploring these issues a little more in a little more detail. So it's good that you folks are raising them. You're doing well. Shoshana, read the second question, please. Sure. God says that Israel is a people he formed for himself to proclaim his praise. Yet he says that his people have grown weary of him. Is this possible? In our day, how do respectable religious people convey a weariness about God and the things of God? What happened to make this so? Okay. There's a thought. Yes, I'd like to say something. Oh, go ahead. Okay, Johnny, are you speaking, Johnny? Who's speaking? Me, Johnny Johnson. Okay, good. Speak. Yes, uh, uh, talking about being weary when people get weary, they begin to, uh, in their own ways, whatever they're doing, they begin to exalt themselves. If someone is bothering them or they are bothered by life's situation, they begin to act out out of their frustration and uh, they begin to care less about other people and begin to just focus themselves on themselves and they then uh, they begin to hurt people either verbally or some physically to the point that such action comes before God. Yes. And uh, and uh, they uh, they don't know it, but God hears us, just as He heard uh, uh, Moses' sister when <laughs> she complained about him marrying a uh, a Gentile wife, <laughs> and uh, He said, "Now hear me." And God is speaking to us, saying, "Now hear me." And God knows how to make us hear Him. This is one way. That's all I have to. Thing, uh, Rabbi, thank you for allowing me to speak. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Shoshana, Shoshana mentioned this, this quotation from C.S. Lewis, which, by the way, I thought about too, in connection with this current crisis. A, a, a typically brilliant point. God shouts at us, and uh, to me, I think that it, God, being in the COVID situation, uh, as I wrote on my Facebook page, that our whole planet has been brought to its knees or, or, or it's brought to a stop by a virus that we cannot even see. Something so tiny, the whole planet or, or much of it has been brought to a halt by a little tiny virus. And that should make us think uh, yes. of a different sense of our own grandeur. And, uh, and uh, I think that it's possible that God is saying to us, as Shoshana and Johnny both said, do I have your attention? Uh, and that gets back to the question we just asked. People, even religious people, does anybody want to comment on whether God really has the attention of religious people or whether they just, something else is happening? Does God really have the attention of religious people or? Or today he does. <laughs> somebody besides Johnny. Yes, somebody else. <laughs> I will mute my phone, and I'm sorry. Anyone else? Okay. Uh, let's see who else we have here. Stuart? Yes. I, re I remember after the earthquake in um, 
1989, I was living in San Francisco and went to church that week or the following week, whenever it was. And the pastor getting up and saying, this is, you know, this is bringing people here, you know, to their knees and realizing that you know, we are so, so tiny, so minuscule when we look at God and, and, and realizing that he's got the power regardless of what, what power we think we have. I yes. remember. Well, go ahead. I remember hearing something about um, Katrina in uh, New Orleans, where um, one pastor was saying this happened to them because of their great sin in that city, and another pastor took the the, the same idea and said that God was so good to the people because He saved so many that the the um, Levies didn't break until after a lot of the people were already gone and, and evacuated from the area. So hopefully the people will look at this and realize it's God talking to us and getting our attention as opposed to them looking and saying, how could God do this and, and walk away from it? On the other hand, there's a, there's a, there's a notorious anti-Semitic pastor in Florida named Rick Wiles. Uh, uh, who says the most outrageous things about the Jews? And he said he said that God that God is using the that that the COVID infection is spreading in the synagogues because the Jews rejected Christ. Can you imagine? Oh, brother! This guy, this guy is. Uh, um, he's got a a a, a, a list of of diatribes against the Jews that are so vicious that are as long as my arm, and I have long arms. <laughs> and uh, uh, so my point is, is that sometimes people will be quick to talk about that this calamity has been brought upon us in order for the other guy's sins. You know, uh, uh, people will say it's because of abortion, or they'll say, uh, it's because of gay rights, or we'll say it's because of Democrats, or, <laughs> or, or, or they'll say it's because of Republicans. But God, just Trump. God, wa God wants us to say, Lord, is it I? Uh huh. Rather than becoming experts on the other guy's sins, it's really yes. remarkable. There are when I go on Facebook, where I spend too much time. There are many, there are, just about everybody there is an expert on everybody else's sins. <laughs> but that is absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. We should be experts on our own sins. Okay. Yes. God yes. Wants Rabbi. May I say something? Who's, who, is that Lucy? No, it's Hannah. May I say something? No, you just did. Say something more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, well, uh, 
Well, we all know the scriptures, um, such as um, Second Chronicles, uh, you know, seven fourteen, where it says, "If my people repent, if my people change their ways, then I will hear, and they cry out to me." So it is about His own people, and now in with this situation, we can tell who is really His own people. His people who have given Him their hearts; those are the ones who are actually repenting and speaking to Him, as if God, look into my heart and see if there's any wicked thing. We Within me, instead of pointing the finger of the Jew, on the Jew or the or whatever any other person, That's but true. then the word, but then uh, also the word says, you know, when when we are in trouble, the, in Psalm one twenty one says, I lift up my eyes to the hills, you know, from which come from where comes my help, and so my help comes from the Lord, not from any other person or any other mm-hmm. government or something or other. Very true. So his own people look uh-huh. up. Him uh, to look for help. Thank um, you. I want to remind us, please, uh, all of us, let's stick to Isaiah because uh, I, I, uh, uh, so that was probably my wallet. What dropped? <laughs> your wallet? What's in your wallet? <laughs> uh, let's go on. Uh, let's stick to Isaiah because all of us, the 32 of us, we all read widely in the Bible, or we have. And that would be an interesting discussion, but I want us to stay here. So let's look at question three. Hannah, read question three for me. Okay, question three. In our passage, God also critiques those people who shape and serve idols upon which they rely instead of relying upon God. What are some of the things people in our society have learned to rely upon for security and advance instead of relying upon God? Okay. Um, What do we rely on? Their own money. Rely on his mercy. His grace and mercy. Well, Stuart, as I mentioned earlier, our jobs, money, um, I'm asking about rely on uh, idol- uh, uh, in an idolatrous, idolatrous manner, uh, Johnny. Oh, I don't. So that's oh, what, okay, okay. That's sorry. what you're talking about. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. So those are some of the things that you know we put our, our our we think our security is in making money in our jobs that sort of thing. The other people we rely on, and a lot of those things, you know, they're really being taken away. I mean, we can't even see each other. You know, even family members are having tough times staying together. So we yeah. can't rely on each other, some of the services, the, you know, the, some of the breakdown in society, even in the fact that um, a lot of things we've come to rely on that other people provide are not available. But money, yeah, can, jobs. Just try to imagine. I don't want to imagine, but try to imagine what it would be like if we were going through this right now and the, and the Internet was down. Uh, we rely upon, uh, uh, I think that a, a, a crisis like this uh, causes us to begin to recognize the things that we took for granted yes. that we mm-hmm. notice. Uh, I mean, if the internet went down so that people could not be on their electronic devices uh, uh, at, at the same time we're going through this, that would be for our culture. That would be uh, extraordinary. I don't wish it on us, but the purpose is not that God is trying to get us. It's that God is trying to show us what do you really rely on? What is the center yeah. of your 
What, uh-huh. what empowers you? What get, what advances your life? And uh, am I on the periphery of your life? I think that, that's a very difficult question. I would suggest that you're on the peripheral of most of our lives. So let's go. Let's go back. We got one more question. And uh, let's see. I think this is it. There it is. Question four. Question four. Someone read me question four. I died their sins, and because of his covenant relationship with them, Adonai promises eventual blessing to Israel. Stop, stop. It's too fast. I'm an old man. You got to read slowly. The brain. Okay. Read slower. Despite their sins, and because of his covenant relationship with them, Adonai promises eventual blessing to Israel. But first, before the blessing, they will be going through hard times. To what extent do you believe that the country where you live has a right to expect God's covenantal blessings? If not, then what should these, what should the people and government of such countries do to present themselves as candidates for the blessings God can bring? Right. Connor brought up uh, the quotation from Second uh, Chronicles chapter seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, I will heal their land and, and I will forgive their sins. Uh, a lot of people claim that for the United States, but who is that verse about? My people who are called by my name. Israel. People of Israel. Israel. Israel is Israel is a country which actually has literally has the name of God in its name, and uh, 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 it's easy for us to assume that that America is God's country, you know. And I I, I love living in America, but that's an assumption. Uh, uh, should we should America assume that we're entitled to God's blessing because we're we're God's country, and therefore He owes us? What do you think? Absolutely not. This is Johnny, I, I don't think John God owes us anything. Speaking of Johnny Johnson here. Well, anyone. I, I believe as, as, as much as. Uh, that Somebody's phone is ringing. Uh oh. I'll wait. Hello? Okay, hello. Yeah, hi, this is Linda here. Go ahead, Linda. Uh, I don't think we should assume that based on your question. Um, I, I think that um, over the years we have um, kind of put God on the sideline uh, of our lives as a nation. And I'm not talking about, you know, raw, raw, you know, mom and apple pie and the flag or a particular political party. I just think overall in our daily lives, we have we have pushed God out in a lot of ways and haven't considered him. And um, personally, I think that this is a wake up call for people to uh, think about what's going on and get reengaged with God and ask for his help. Suppose somebody answered you, Linda, and said, look, uh, I disagree with you. I believe in God. We believe in God. We talk about God all the time. 
uh, uh, what would you answer such a person? Uh, well, I could say they're entitled to their opinion, uh, but I would also ask them to look around based on what we've just been talking about, you know, to, to think a little bit more deeply and consider what's, what's going on around them and to reconsider. Frequently in the prophets, in Isaiah, uh, last week's Haftorah reading, and uh, elsewhere in the prophets, uh, we read things like, this people draws near to me with their lips, mm. but their hearts are far from me. It is possible for us to have a lot of God talk, mm -hmm. to ourselves on being the people of God, and to and especially to pride ourselves on being the people of God and to pride ourselves on the knowledge that other people are not the people of God. Uh, uh, I deal with, I discussed the Facebook with people periodically. Uh, easy to think that because we talk about God, because he's part of our platform, because he's part of, uh, he's who we invoke as the, as the kind of person who ratifies what we believe in that we think that we're we're doing fine. But it is possible to draw near to God with your lips, with your platform, with your words, with your crowd, and your heart to be far from him. Yeah. Uh, That's true. Very I true. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, what, what keeps coming to mind is that the, at the Last Supper, Yeshua says to his disciples, Verily, verily, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And one of the apostles says, Lord, is it I? That is the right response. All of them should ask, Lord, is it I? Not, Lord, isn't it him? Uh-huh. Okay. So, shall we continue with a little more of this, or shall we wrap things up? I would just add that uh, whenever that issue comes up, I, it reminds me of James, where the demons also believe and tremble. That's very. That's a very good, very good invocation. Let's see if there's one more thing we can read. Here's one more thing we'll read, and then we'll be done. Uh, uh, right here. Uh, uh, let's see. Rusty, would you read this, Strengthening Jewish Life, this week? Sure. You put it on the screen and I'll read it. Uh, okay. <laughs> just, okay, thank you. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll get it. Just a minute. I'm going to get rid of this. What is this story here? Just one, one bad moment. Rusty, we'd really be impressed if you would read it before it was up on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never claimed to be a prophet. <laughs> Strengthening <laughs> Jewish life this week. In the Talmud, we are told that our sages bring the, the, this conclusion about causes of societal disasters, such as we are now suffering with COVID 19, the COVID 19 situation. In Yoma 9b 3 8, we read this. Why was the first temple destroyed? Because of three evils in it, idolatry, sexual immorality, and bloodshed. But why is the second temple destroyed? 
seeing that during that time it stood it stood people occupied the excuse me seeing that during the time it, during the time it stood people occupied themselves with Torah with observant precepts and with practice of charity because during the time it stood hatred without rightful cause prevailed this is to teach you that hatred without rightful cause is deemed as grave as all three as all three of the sons of idolatry sexual immorality yes. and bloodshed together yes. amen keep going yeah go ahead all right this is a this is a very potent statement because idolatry sexual immorality and bloodshed murder are the three sins for which one should choose death rather than committing them these are the mega sins but hatred without cause is considered a great as grave as all three of them put together so here are our questions uh, 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 someone, uh, someone else read this the bullet points I'll do it go ahead okay what are some safeguards we could install to prevent our own hatred from growing that's a good question is it important that we do so and the next one is Paul writes to Ephesians, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down before you have dealt with the cause of your anger. Otherwise you leave room for the adversary. How does this wisdom apply to the matter we are discussing? Okay, so we were talking about sin and about judgment. Jewish wisdom, Jewish traditions, suggests that the first temple was de was destroyed because of rampant sin, and it was. The idolatry was huge. Sexual immorality was huge. Hatred of our brothers. But in the second temple, all those sins were, uh, not hatred of the brothers, rather, but in the second temple, idolatry, murder, uh, and, and sexual immorality were, were largely suppressed. But why was the second temple destroyed? And the answer is, uh, they call it sinat sinam, hatred without a cause. So, what, what, uh, give me a suggestion, one or two of you, about what we can do to keep our own hatred from growing. And what can we, what can we say to people who we, we encounter who are boiling over all the time? Usually, it's, re it's right when Republicans boiling over about Democrats, or Democrats boiling, o uh, boiling over uh, about uh, Republicans. Uh, but whatever it is, it's people uh, being angry all the time. What can we say to help people be guarded against the accumulation of anger and the, the, the ramping up of anger? Anybody have a suggestion? Joe ba Joseph Bannister, if you would, uh, your wisdom would always be appreciated. If you've got something to say, please do. Remember the Our Father prayer. Oh, that's a good one. I like I'll that. I'll read the Lord's Prayer. Okay, anybody else? So I believe that one of the main things that's causing us issues, especially with regard to this, is our attitudes for each other. You know, in some of the previous comments, you've mentioned Democrats versus Republicans. This guy in, in Florida who blames the Jews for everything. We're looking at each other with an attitude of accusing each other and of not loving each other. 
And I think if we have the attitude that everyone is made in the image of God and give everyone the benefit of the doubt and turn to God instead of blaming each other, that would go a long way in relieving the hatred we have for each other. Yes, uh, that's a good word. You're reminding me of something that was uh, that I heard um, Elie Wiesel say. Uh, he, there was a nationwide interview with Elie Wiesel, and uh, I went with Fania Spielberg to the uh, to a Jewish Community Center somewhere in Los Angeles, and it was broadcast in 50 states. And Wiesel said that he'd been reading about the Crusades. And he said, and he, he, he laughed. He said, he la it was the laugh of irony. He said, he said, imagine killing people who are made in the image of God in the name of God. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, so outlandish that uh, in the name of God, you're killing people who are made in the image of God. So, uh, what Steve says about remembering that people are made in the image of God, even the worst person, even the worst, even Adolf Hitler, may, may his name be blotted out, was made in the image of God, although that image became completely marred because of the yep. It's interesting that when he, he's the only person that the state of Israel ever executed in capital punishment, the only one. When he stood on trial in in uh, Tel Aviv, they had a pastor. Actually, I thought it was a Lutheran pastor, but I did some research. He was an American Pentecostal pastor, a Gentile who really loved the Jews, and they had, and this pastor went and, and and continued to visit with uh, Eichmann to bring repentance. Yeah, yeah. I don't care for this this uh, extraordinary legendary enemy. They remember that this monster was created in the image of God. And I think that if we would take Steve's excellent advice seriously, it would help us. So speaking of the image of God, I want us to turn now and thank you all. Uh, we, I could spend four hours doing this and enjoy every minute of it because you people are very interesting people and your opinions are mature. But I want us to go on uh, and uh, we're, gonna, we're going to sing another song and then we're, we're going to pray for the sick. So if you will hold on a moment.